Right, welcome back to another serving of PT Meal Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about a recent article that was published online about uh, the demonization of manual therapy. It was written by Chad Cook, a uh, professor of, um, uh, from Duke University. So to help us with the topic is um, Ulysses Hontelia, a physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy. He is a board-certified clinical specialist in orthopedic physical therapy. He is specializing in osteopractic physical therapy and also certified in spinal manipulative therapist as therapy from the American Academy of Manipulative Therapy. He is also a fellow of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Manual Therapist. Am I correct? Or yes. Manual Physical Therapist. Uh, (laughs) The resident He's also the residency director of the Orthopedic Physical Therapy Residency Program in um, Columbia VA Healthcare System and the founding president of the Philippine Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapist. <laughs> I was typing this when I was sleepy, so I think I, I, I got some words wrong, but welcome to the show. Oh, you'll, sorry, you'll. No, no, no problem. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Johan. Johan? Johan? Yes. Johan. Johan for uh, inviting me and it's uh, it's a, a great opportunity to to share uh, my views as well. I, I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Um, but before we start, um, could you give us uh, your your physical therapy story, how, how you become a physical therapist and, and what do you do now? Yeah, so um, I actually um, hailed from uh, Leyte, originally my parents from there in the Philippines and uh, I did my PT school in Cebu. Um, I was class or batch 2000 back back then, and then I came to the U.S. in in 2006. Um, prior to coming, I was I was teaching there in, in uh, a local university. I was uh, doing anatomy and physiology, the gross anatomy laboratory. And then when I came, I came as a traveler therapist until I landed a a job at the Veterans Hospital uh, locally. Until then, since then, it's my 40th 14th year of uh, uh, service. Wow, wow. That's uh, one of my dreams to work in VA, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still a dream. So um, so going to uh, our main topic, which is the article of Chad Cook, Demonization of Manual Therapy. Um, what was your initial reaction to it? Uh, and and uh, talk to us about why, uh, about your, your Facebook post that I read that instead of demonize, demonizing manual physical therapy, um, manual therapy is uh, something that is abused and misused. So yeah, yeah. So um, I was I was definitely uh, reviewing uh, Chad Cook. Um, uh, Chad Cook is a very uh, 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 popular uh, author as well as professor, and he's also a fellow of OMPT. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, when I was reading the the article, I was actually amazed that he used the word demonization, but when you look farther, I'm actually happy to see because he was debunking some of the uh, misconceptions of OMPT. Mm-hmm. And one important thing is uh, it's it's hard to look into if it's not very specified. That's mm-hmm. why I was looking into uh, describing it as something that is being abused or mm-hmm. misused kind mm-hmm. of uh, treatment. A lot of uh, critics of mental therapy, they, they try to, to say, um, you know, it's something like it's not effective. Uh, patients will become dependent on it. As a matter of fact, 
eight different uh, uh, misbelief of or you know impression uh, wrong impression of OMPT are uh, debunked and discussed thoroughly by uh, this article which I chat code mm -hmm. yeah when I when I first read uh, the title the demonization of manual therapy yeah. I thought that it, it just clicked because I, I see a lot of um, physical therapists that mm -hmm. are bordering to hypercritical being hypercritical yeah. To the point that the they are yeah demonizing manual mm -hmm. therapy like it's like what they're saying is no one should use manual therapy something like mm -hmm. that yeah. so um i i've also read some rebuttals about chad cook's article especially from um another uh well-known well-known uh, physical yeah. therapist um adam adam Meekins, mm -hmm. and what he said that it's it's not for him it's not demonizing but being critical of um being critical of certain um techniques or interventions that physical therapists do mm -hmm. for for you um why would you how would you say that you know um manual therapy is demonized or not or how is it abused or misused okay. yeah so for for some individuals who may not be, you know, like uh, acquainted to or uh, like thorough on how OMPT is being applied, mm -hmm. uh, demonizing here means uh, portraying a specific or something to be wicked or something threatening or something that is worthy of contempt or something of blame. And I, I was looking at this earlier. It's something that you demean, it's something that you slander, or something that you discredit, because overall, we don't really understand how is it done. Mm -hmm. So OMPT has been one of the association that is that has a subgroup of the World Health Organization uh, also uh, under the, um, the physiotherapy or the World Confederation of Phys uh, Physiotherapy or Physical Therapy, which is the IFONT. International Federation of Orthopedic Manipulative Physical Therapy. This is the international federation of OMPT um, bodies around the world that has a, a, a training that of the same standards. Mm -hmm. uh, and hence, there is uh, 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 a in, in the US mm -hmm. where we are fellows with. So uh, IFOMT we know for those who have been trained under a specific training, let's say a fellowship program in, in, in mental therapy, like what I was doing and some other colleagues uh, in UK, they have master's level in Canada, uh, in Australia. It, OMPT is always defined as a specialized area in PT that, uh, that manages neuromusculoskeletal uh, condition based on clinical reasoning, uh, using highly specific techniques like, like mental therapy and therapeutic exercises, um, using evidence-based, including the whole psychosocial uh, realm of the person. So that is the definition of OMPT mm -hmm. or mental therapy in particular, uh, what the physical therapy should be doing as far as those um, like specializing the area. Mm -hmm. So where do you think this um, hypercritical, hypercriticisms or uh, this, uh, you know, uh, well, criticisms yeah, to manual therapy mm -hmm. coming from? Is this coming from 
therapists that are not well versed with manual therapy or is this coming from physical therapists who have studied under a certain school of thought of manual therapy that they think that it's not useful so for uh in in your view where does this uh this criticisms are coming from honestly um I'm, I am not sure. I mm-hmm. have my own. Uh, I have my own, like probably uh, theories as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I know these uh, physios, these PTs, or physics to mental therapy. They are they are great practitioners. They're great clinicians. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know the fact that each of us has its own specialization. You know, um, right. some are really they don't like mental therapy because they work in acute. They just love acute care. Mm-hmm. Uh, some just want to be in home health. Mm-hmm. They, they don't even know any any like uh, specific, you know. They they don't want to work on that part of orthopedic mental physical therapy. And mm-hmm. the same as those who are devoted to the practice of mental therapy as well. So we have the we have the passion of learning. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, we have continuing educations. Uh, we 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 do go to you know academy uh, national conferences uh, yearly for new mm-hmm. updates. And I think most of this are giving assumptions and, mm-hmm. and that's what the the article um if you look at farther there are eight assumptions that mm-hmm. uh, chad cook has pointed out right. that you know for those who are not keen into detail sometimes we're just or even like the public they will say those assumptions are really easy to say mm-hmm. and then but if we debunk each one based on evidence actually there is an evidence that we can find that it is not true mm-hmm. One of the demonization that yeah. Chad Cook mentioned was this. Uh, this is interesting for me. Is manual therapy techniques are based on outdated, inappropriate philosophies that were derived to support gurus, uh, a guru's theories, which yeah. he, um, yeah. Chad Cook, agreed. Yeah, um, mostly true. As I mostly said. true, right? <laughs> so being, you know, there's a lot of like certifications in manual therapy. There's a lot of school of thought on manual therapy. Each would have their own gurus or or yeah. promote proponents. Mm-hmm. Um, is is this where other physical therapists or physiotherapists that are not practicing manual therapists see where some of the manual some manual therapists would have a sense of like, um elitism that they since they 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 undergone the certain certification i'm better than you or this is the only technique that's better on this type of condition or this patients is would you think that's some of that is that's where it's coming from uh, i i think so because mm-hmm. you know there are specific theories that are specific mm-hmm. to its specific founders mm-hmm. that they're really like proud to be trained under that specific uh, like theory. But right. we know that newer evidence, even like the concave convex rule, like the shoulder, it doesn't even right. fit what's going on with uh, what we learn in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have this uh, chiropractic principles or uh, theories too about subluxation. So mm-hmm. there, for those who are, you know, uh, let's say, let's say the point of view for public mm-hmm. and then for the public, they're mm-hmm. given that kind of theories, which everyone just like believe like, oh yeah, there's my, my spine actually subluxed. That's why they realign it. Or actually my, my shoulder, when, when they glide it, it goes this way. Uh, everyone will, will, will believe, but in modern 
uh, like studies or research or evidence, actually, it's it's actually not true. Mm-hmm. So organizations like AOMP or PAOMP and the IFOMPT mm-hmm. are th- th- some of the organizations that are trying to standardize or at least, um, you know, give out evidences on certain mm-hmm. techniques. Okay. So I believe like if ever, if a physical therapist would be going into manual physical therapy, they should be, you know, joining fellowships or residencies to get a clearer picture. Oh, that That is one thing to mm-hmm. definitely, that is one thing to advance knowledge mm-hmm. is that is uh, in, the, in the, the level of hierarchy of training. Right. I would say. So let's say for example, uh, in, in medical education, after you graduate, your your doctorate, you go with your residency for the next specialization, and you do sub sub specialization to go mm-hmm. to the next step. So I, I would agree with that. But um, in my training, um, in in like even in a uh, payment, what we uh-huh. are uh, trying to work is there's this eclectic approach uh-huh. that each one should be aware of and what are the flaws and what are the you know the limitations of each because. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, um, MDT approaches. Sometimes there are MDT approaches that are really helpful for the spine, mm-hmm. that are you know helpful for for those nerve um, conditions that I use with mm-hmm. my patients. But not not all, because mm-hmm. I have some other techniques that I can use better mm-hmm. also to to do. But for example, if you just use one approach and your mind is close to that and you're mm-hmm. not open to other approaches, mm-hmm. that'll be, uh, that'll be a different, uh, I mean, that'll be a problem. Like mm-hmm. for example, manipulative therapy to the neck. Wow. It, as long my, my training, as long as you're able to cavitate the neck and you are re- uh, ruling out red flags, you have the physiologic effect. You don't need to like, all right, you got to go up and then you go rotate. And then, you know, like very specific and arthrokinematic kinematics at times. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we, we get lost into that. Uh, like trying to do a lot of let's say passive intervertebral uh, testing, and mm-hmm. in evidence it's it's not valid because the reliability, the interator or interator is really low on that one. So that's why if uh, instead of like having, for example, instead of saying uh, this C five C sixty seven is really hypermobile, mm-hmm. yes, if if you, if there is uh, provocation in that area and it. Uh, uh, provokes the familiar symptoms then if it's hypo then then uh, apply mental specific mental therapy techniques and then the mm-hmm. effect will be the same there is the neurophysiologic effect there's mechanical effect and there is this uh, like stimulation of the of the nervous system for pain management mm-hmm. the because the debate and the discussion has been there for a long time exercise mm-hmm. versus manual therapy exercise plus manual therapy versus mm-hmm. yeah exercise only i mean uh, there's been that discussion going on and now that you know um, taking a look at, at the value of each intervention that we are giving to patients mm-hmm. we are now seeing that like most most our, our passive modalities are something that we should uh, use very rarely on occasions yeah, right? Right? Mm-hmm. right for manual therapy is there a blanket um, co- blanket statement where you can use manual therapy or you can't use manual therapy or it still, it depends. Yes. So mm-hmm. 
it, it definitely depends on, you know, if it's indicated and contraindicated. Mm -hmm. So first thing is the procedure indicated or not. Mm -hmm. And of course, you're gonna rule out any red flags. For example, cervical spine, you have to know how to rule out those uh, ligamentous instabilities, for instance, or let's say uh, vertebrovascular insufficiencies or issues mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then if it is indicated, then you do it. But um, going back again to what you're saying um, on, you know, we go less with passive uh, mm -hmm. modalities, multi-newer evidence always point towards multimodal approaches in, 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 in treating uh, specific impairments or problems uh, with, with patients. Right, and right. we know that the newest classification, treatment classification system actually is not anymore, let's say, all we know, is, for example, for, for, the, for the back is we classify patient into uh, direction preference, traction, or movement uh, deficit, for example, but now, they added actually the, the acuteness and the irritability of the patient. Because if, if the patient is highly irritable, the patient can fit into different classification wherein you actually start modulating the pain. And how will you modulate the pain? It could be modality, it could be manual therapy. You don't ask the patient to do like uh, deadlift right away when the right patient away. is highly irritable, right? Mm -hmm. And then slowly when the pain is less irritable, then it could be a day after, it could be tomorrow that the next classification can come, comes in. But there are overlapping uh, classification systems by then that you can apply manual therapy plus, plus passive modality, but you should progress. The problem is if the treatment is not progressing, you just have passive modality for the next five, eight, 10 visits. Passive modalities or manual therapy should be in conjunction with therapeutic exercise or mm -hmm. any other approaches. So it, it's very important to, you know, to look into what, how do you approach it and what mm -hmm. kind of, you know, based on your assessment with the patient, what's your goal. Mm -hmm. So right at the bat, if you're going to apply manual therapy, you should talk to the patient and mention that this is not going to be the standard of treatment, that this is going to be yeah just at the very start yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so how how should um physical therapists word those uh that treatments about manual therapy so that you know one of the demonization here is patient dependency so how, how yeah. does a physical therapist word that to their patient mm -hmm. as a matter of fact that is my my practice um like every day mm -hmm. i see uh chronic pain patients mm -hmm. uh, that's primarily, you know, chronic spinal pain, mm -hmm. neck or back. Mm -hmm. um, definitely modalities and manual therapy has a role. But when, when you explain that to patient, I use, after you do your initial evaluation, your, your objective examination, you discuss your, your findings. Mm -hmm. And then during discussion of the findings, what are the impairments you have to educate the patient pertaining to, especially if it's chronic. Mm -hmm. Chronic pain is totally different from acute pain. And because during that time, even if it's chronic pain, because remember chronic pain can be, there are good days and bad days, right. good days and bad days. How about during that time when they come to the clinic, that was their bad day, but they mm -hmm. have that pain for, for 15 years, for example. Um, so during that time, because that's their bad day, the goal during that few days will be pain management, really. Mm -hmm. So I will tell the patient, 
you are really highly irritable right now as far as your tissues or pain level is concerned. So let's start with some pain modulating uh, like approaches. So I'm gonna do just basic mental therapies for you today and probably let's say uh, 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 electrical stimulation along with heat. But I'll let you know, we'll start with this for probably today and then let's look at it tomorrow if the or the next visit. If your pain decreases, then we can slowly introduce. But this, what I'm doing right now is is not something that we're going to continue. We will progress with, with active um, uh, involvement because that's how the two changes will occur. Mm -hmm. That's right. I agree with that. But sometimes I, um, there are patients that, even though you, you, you tell them that, that passive, those modalities that you're you doing to them and the passive techniques that you're doing to them are just something that you are doing like at the beginning stage of the some pe yeah. some patients do look for it so yeah. is it how do we balance what the evidence says and what the patient wants and you know thinks that they need you know because we're, we're looking at the uh research uh yeah. evidence-based practice evidence. right so there's also uh, a part of the patient's uh, yeah. preference. Uh, preference so how do you balance that yeah so so definitely uh you got to to balance the triad of evidence uh -huh. especially if you if you practice MVP. what's what's, uh -huh. what's proven in, in research uh -huh. or studies that are effective and then what your clinical experience is pertaining to that mm -hmm. and what's the patient preference too so you 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 take into consideration each of the factor there, um, not just imposing what what you want, because the true change later on. Because there is some even there there is a change even if you're if you if it's not like specific to what the guideline is saying, mm -hmm. because you include the, the preference of the patient. But you've got as I mentioned balance and education, a lot of education. Because even even in my case, um, I have patients that I that I have seen, or like for example, I, I see today that they had physical therapy a month ago. They just finished for the same issue. They come back, and so that's the opportunity for you to educate this patient. Why are you coming back? Coming back? What's what's the difference? And then they wanna like I did. They they crack my back, and I wanna continue doing that. So mm -hmm. now they have that misbelief, mis mm -hmm. misinformation. Mm -hmm. um, it's time for you to, to in probably change their thought about it and at least educate them because mm -hmm. for, for, for some of them don't actually, you know, understand what's going on. They just mm -hmm. feel that it is something that, you know, will help them. But the problem is dependency sometimes with, mm -hmm. we're in, uh, if they can pay, it's okay. But oh, yeah. of course, um, if you tell them to, you know, what is what is right and what is wrong in in the sense, uh, I think some of them actually can get and and understands, and then they start looking into like self care management. Self care management is very important for uh, for chronic pain conditions. Mm -hmm. Right. One of the demonization numbers or, or yeah. statements that they said is that. Um, manual therapy doesn't have a long-term effect. As Chad Cook said, mm. the long-term effect is coming from being able to move by the short-term effect of manual therapy. Anything to add on that? 
even if it's a short term, that's actually a according to Cook uh, and what's also in research, mm-hmm. short term effect is actually a good prognos- prognosticator, mm-hmm. right? So um, I always uh, uh, tell that to my patients. Uh, for example, uh, like application of dry needling, for example, mm-hmm. um, like dry needling for 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 low back pain, and then when they come back the following uh, visit. I asked them, how was our last treatment? Has it helped you? It's like, yeah, it helped two days, but after, after that, it disappeared. But as a clinician, based on my experience, there are some individuals who does not even have a result at all. Like there's none. So I can already determine from one or two visits that this is a good prognosticator that I can continue or discontinue. But mm-hmm. if they have at least a short-term effect, I always tell them that's good. That's a good start, and mm-hmm. we will continue. And then uh, what you should be noticing. So you give them what to expect. What you will be noticing because you have that short-term uh, changes. Let's see the next two or three. That duration of effect should become a little bit longer. And then when it becomes mm-hmm. to take two or three days, then we can introduce some specific exercises that you can tolerate. So mm-hmm. that's the best way to to introduce. Uh, new activities, new exercise mm. will be a, a good progression from what you initially started. But that short term can also leads to a longer effect later on. Mm-hmm. Because again, there are some that doesn't have any effect at all. And mm-hmm. so for that, let's say after two visits and they don't have any effects, I tell them it seems like this doesn't work. So mm-hmm. we will discontinue this. Let's try another approaches that will make a change. Wow, good. Um, what I got from what you're saying is that it, once you apply a certain um, apply a certain technique, you should yeah. keep on reassessing the patient. If That's this true. works, then continue, then progress. If it doesn't work, you have to discontinue it. Discontinue. Yeah. Gotcha. So I guess that's where you know physical therapists in general should learn from. Would be like look at the patient every every visit keep reassessing after uh, each visit keep reassessing and see where you can progress or discontinue some things actually that's a good uh, habit for a clinician mm-hmm. to every visit you have to reassess you have to have at least something that will that you can objectively not just subjectively reassess next visit if there is any true change uh, mm-hmm. if there is change then that means I, i'll tell them all right we are in the right track Mm-hmm. Let's let's continue this one because otherwise, mm-hmm. if it's not, I let them know too. Uh, seems like it's not working, so we have changed the 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 approach. Mm-hmm. But there are certain um, times where you need to push through with a certain technique before mm-hmm. observing a noticeable okay. change, right? Mm-hmm. So how, so again, how do you balance that when your patient said it's not working, it's not working? How do you balance that and you're telling them that? Let's keep doing that and see if that works. So how do you balance continuing versus discontinuing when something doesn't work with a patient? I think one very important thing is uh, it's more on clinicians' uh, clinical decision-making, mm-hmm. uh, really. So for me, in my, in my practice, I give my maximum of a specific technique is like three times. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it, it doesn't change or if there are no detectable change, I will change it. Why? Mm-hmm. Because each time you apply, let's say the first and the second, our body has its own way to activate those uh, 
you know, stimulating the uh, uh, neuroendorphin system, the, activating those uh, substances that help with pain, uh, physiologic or uh, mechanical effect, let's say in manual therapy to improve movement. So there should be an immediate effect, or even if it's just short term, if it's not, if there's zero at all, like in global rating of change, zero or negative side, then that means that technique is not working at all. Mm-hmm. Right. The reason why I, I, I thought about that, because recently I had a, a serious bout of pain after hiking, I my my sciatica flared up mm-hmm. and I was trying to speak myself since I, I, I knew that it was sciatica. So I, I did a lot of performance stretching, yeah. stretching and stuff like yeah. that. Then it got worse and got worse. And I was like, I keep on doing the same thing, but it's not going away. Yeah. So I tried positioning. I yeah. I lay prone, yeah. um, but that seemed to make it worse. Mm. So I thought, should I stop laying prone or should I continue? Then I decided to continue. And the effect came in like three days after I felt relieved. So I was like, if if I if the patient told me this that this laying in prone doesn't work, then my automatic reaction would be stop doing that. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. But then since since doing those for after the three days, I was like, so there are times that there are techniques that you should try for more times yeah. before mm-hmm. you can observe a certain change. I was like, that's a revelation for me. <laughs> and then the other, other other thing too is uh, going back to what I mentioned earlier, if it's really true acute, the, the tissue is still irritable during that time. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. as time goes by, after 72 hours, the pain, you know, or any kind of inflammatory changes should decrease. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's a, a change. So during that time, well, we don't know if that was the, the true change, the true mm-hmm. change because of positioning or mm-hmm. it just a subs- subsided, subs- sub- yeah, decrease mm-hmm. of the inflammatory changes around the, the nerve. Mm-hmm. Like I had an experience too. I, I injured my back in, in the gym and then uh, um, I had, I, I I, I do my own uh, like self-mobilization exercises that I know for, for that kind of condition mm-hmm. didn't change at all. Mm-hmm. I, in my mind, I'm not thinking about pain modulation, like using modalities mm-hmm. and press. Mm-hmm. So, because I want to just do those exercises that focuses on, let's say uh, direction preference, right. um, something like those, mm-hmm. but actually that that's why the, the, the treatment classification has changed, adding the the acuteness as well as the irritability of the condition. Because even if it's chronic and it's a new episode, you got to start with uh, pain modulation and mm-hmm. then and then progress. One one thing, uh, one problem I, I I also remember with chronic pain patients is that you you try to be more active with them, right? Mm-hmm. And or you try to introduce um, self-mobilizations mm-hmm. so that, you know, it, it's them. It's not yeah. something they would not construe it as an external, you know, factor yeah. affecting them. It would be them doing mm-hmm. things by themselves. But there's like, uh, there are patients that are really, really um, afraid to move or, you know, to do to, to those techniques by themselves that they simply don't want to do it. Yeah. So, as much as as much as you want them to be more active in their own treatment, you know mm-hmm. they they still want to rely on something passive. Yeah. Um. 
uh, chronic pain is is totally a different game. Um, it's a it's a different skill set compared to a uh, managing acute musculoskeletal conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in chronic pain, it's a it's a complex uh, like uh, way of managing because there are a lot of other systems involved. Um, the psychosocial part is a big factor. That's why it's very important to assess uh, even like the, the the blue flags or the black flags, the yellow flags of these patients, and then. Sometimes in, in my practice, um, if the patient says their pain has been there for a period of months or years, I always measure their uh, PCS score, the pain catastrophization score, mm-hmm. because pain catastrophization is a huge factor for prognosis, particularly mm-hmm. in neck, for instance, in the new practice guidelines, uh, PCS is a big factor for poor prognosis, especially mm-hmm. if they have um, uh, high scores. So. Mm-hmm. If they have that catastrophizing belief or attitude, mm-hmm. the first thing you really have to do is educating them and letting them know on how to change, or uh, your goal is to changing their belief, that mm-hmm. false belief, or let's say fear avoidance, misophobia, mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. is actually, so the, the pain science, pain education now comes in, like mm-hmm. your, your techniques on how to change these attitudes of these patients. Uh, mm-hmm. So psychological approaches, um, changing their thoughts, their belief, their fears about movement, because most mm-hmm. of them, uh, they, they don't know because most of the time, every time they move, it hurts. So, and, and, and that's the thing. Self-care is very important, inculcating them on, on maintaining some specific activity, but letting them understand too that pain is not, is not equal to harm in chronic mm-hmm. cases because all the acute changes has been, has been gone. It's more of it could be a peripheral sensitization or central sensitization. That's why there's this hyper um, algesia or increase in pain uh, perception in mm-hmm. anywhere in the body. Like probably in your experience, you have this chronic back pain patient, but when you like just poke their side or they're like here, it's like, oh, that's painful too. <laughs> so, True, yeah. so you were like, oh no, what, what, what kind of uh, condition is this? But mm-hmm. it's actually more of hypersensitivity Mm-hmm. because that's that's how the nervous system works mm-hmm. um, time so you've got to learn techniques and um, it's very important for uh, the, the pts or practitioner to to learn a different skill set specific for managing chronic pain patients mm-hmm. that, that's interesting what you said we're going off that but it's okay I, i'm interested <laughs> in what you're saying because um you're talking about chronic pain and and catastrophizing there i had a patient that i tried to introduce um like pain science and and stuff like that and i i um had them read up um you know uh answer the the pcs and what they told what what he he told you was like um do you think that my pain is just in my mind that i'm thinking about my thinking about the pain I was like, uh, how how do you answer this? Like, it, it's not that you're thinking about it. It's probably just your body telling you that it's more pain than it's it is. Mm-hmm. So something like that. I was like, I was taken aback by what he said that us or I am just thinking that it's all in his head. <laughs> I know so, that's that that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for for uh, let's say for example, if I um approach. Uh, like encountered that uh, in my patient. Like, uh, do you think uh, uh, 
uh, it's all in my mind. That's why I'm filling up this, uh, like, because it's more of agreement, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, and that PCS. Yeah, um, yeah. I will probably will say, well, how we interpret pain, uh -huh. it's our brain that interprets it. So mm -hmm. we're thinking, or we are actually perceiving any kind of stimulus through our brain. So, so letting them know that pain is actually not just a a process let's say back pain that mm -hmm. you feel it in the back mm -hmm. way we know that there is back pain because our our pain our, our brain processes it as pain mm -hmm. it's when we process it the uh, the part of the brain that processes it becomes more hypersensitive mm -hmm. that's what the the uh the the result so that area will become more bombarded with high sensitivity. So sometimes those patients, are, oh, I didn't know that it's actually that process. So mm -hmm. yeah, so so uh, I have some I have some cases that I actually even just during the first visit, it's all about education. It's all about letting them understand, and it's okay if you don't. Mm -hmm. And then after a they, let's say they you perceive that they have changed their thought or they understand you because they agree. Oh, that's mm -hmm. that's that's how it works then i can introduce like so the first way really to to address this is introducing a little bit of movement so that you can get back with the movement so it's all about like facing it like mm -hmm. in visual imagery there are different techniques and how to introduce so that they can feel better with the movements and a lot of motivation a lot mm -hmm. of motivation for this kind of patients mm -hmm. right so what you're saying is like communicate with the patient first teach them mm -hmm. about their condition yeah. their you know expectations and their goals mm -hmm. yeah so we're kind of addressing what one of the demonization which is the lack of skill and communication that you know that yeah. um, some therapists would say that manual therapy mm -hmm. one therapy lacks mm -hmm. um but for i mean for those who are really like world versed for manual therapy as as you you you, you talk about the, the pain the condition and then um let the, the patient understand stuff mm -hmm. and i i think uh where these this uh demonization is coming from is from the wordings of, of some school of thoughts that you know uh releasing the fascia or like yeah there is <laughs> loosening or yeah, there yeah, is yeah. what do you call it like the technique is repositioning yeah that's right so, so but if you're communicating um you know stuff that is the patient does understand and that is true then that is really helpful yeah um, and, and the thing too and and that's that's it it's the words that actually what what kind of words the clinician use, is using if mm -hmm. they are using or the, the clinician is using words that are false Mm -hmm. so like what you have mentioned mm -hmm. so i i tend to not to use those terms mm -hmm. when i don't therapy i want to or let's say for example like just like uh a re, uh like using my hand to to stretch i want to say this will this will release that tissue because i know that it will not mm -hmm. based on, on, on science right mm -hmm. but i will let them know that this will stimulate the area to help you know, relaxes those muscle mm -hmm. and then facilitate whatever you're doing, what kind of stretches you're doing. So there'll be like a connection that they can also understand. That's just mm -hmm. purely scientific, scientific, but they mm -hmm. can understand, but not giving them like false information that it will, this will 
like elongate the fascia or everything and then it will it will make a totally uh different structure after i do this mm -hmm. so um we're not gonna i'm not gonna uh enumerate all the dem right. demonizations mm -hmm. but um a what should uh, a good uh clinician a good manual uh physical therapist or physical therapist in general have in in terms of of patient care or you know uh so that somewhat we we don't fall into those misunderstanding or abuse of of techniques i think the one of the most important part is uh make sure that everything that you do you you rationalize it mm. is it something that uh is based on just your own principle or are you balancing the the, the triad of evidence as well mm. because you know there are some individuals i i know because in a fact that for a fact that i i had like one mentor one time one 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 time and all he is giving me is just his own opinion mm -hmm. um of course that's good because that's his experience but you're just using one like part of the triad right mm -hmm. and then you're not presenting ev everything kind of thing so you have to make sure you balance and then second is uh don't for me i don't focus on one um philosophy of of learning i have mm -hmm. to learn multi uh, approaches multi um like principles because otherwise if you are uh, i remember one uh, saying in, with, with my mentor one time, don't be, don't be imprisoned by your own dogma, you know, kind of thing, because you just believe in this dogmatic uh, principle mm -hmm. based on whoever you believe, and then you're mm -hmm. a prisoner to that. You right. have to be open to different kind of techniques. You don't want to, you you can critique in a sense, but personally, is that is this something for is this something good for this? But mm -hmm. On each principle, there's there's always a good for that specific, but mm -hmm. not for this. So you mm -hmm. you balance this. That's why if you know these skills, you can choose which skills that fits the patient during that period of time. Mm -hmm. So knowing the background and the rationale instead mm -hmm. of just sticking to the technique mm -hmm. is is best. Mm -hmm. Okay, for someone who is for a physical therapist who are who who is who is thinking about going into manual therapy um where should they start so uh for me when 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 i decided to be a an ortho specialist i my my mind was really i want to be a specialist in musculoskeletal condition so i i did the specialization the board mm -hmm. the ocs which gives me a good glimpse of the general musculoskeletal way of managing new mm -hmm. evidence doing that. But after that one, it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on specific uh, path in musculoskeletal treatment. So mm -hmm. that's why the fellowship comes in, which is a subspecialty of. So do fellowship. Fellowship trainings is one year post uh, residency or if, now residency is not required as long as you have like certifications of. Wow. Uh, Let's say you are a COMPT or COMPT, you can actually, even if you're an LCS, it gives you more um, way of learning uh, critical thinking approaches. There are a lot of things that I've learned, as a matter of fact, in fellowship trainings, even you know, uh, prior to uh, uh, practicing 
uh, the OMPT or, or the, the technique as a whole. It gives me, it gives me the way to to think what's appropriate for the patient as well, and then give some good rationalization and apply evidence. Right. And another way of learning more is uh, through residency, as you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is what what's what's what is the value of of going under uh, through a residency program in in trying to further your skill and your knowledge in the OMPT? So for me, for new grads, for those mm -hmm. who are already practicing in the field and let's say they're already working for a year in ortho, uh, th that's their first time. You you. You don't want you don't need the residency because sometimes when you go back to residency it, it, you know you you will cut your salary or or what but take that opportunity to have mentor to teach mm -hmm. you things but the advantage of residency for those new grad who just finished uh, their, their schooling is it continued for a whole year of mentorship mm -hmm. and mentorship is the guidance during that time with mentor who is already specializing in the field so that when you are done with the residency program, you are ready to, to, to tackle those, uh, let's say, for example, you're resident in, in ortho or resident in neuro, you have the skill set to manage those um, group of patients. And then, of course, after that one, you, if you want to subspecialize sub into manual therapy, then you can. But definitely, it's a value. It's a good value for uh, continued learning experiences and mentorship that you can actually have, uh, let's say, but I don't know, for some, there are some clinics actually that, you know, offers like mentorship, just mm -hmm. informal mentorship as you're mm -hmm. a new grad, you're joining a new clinic, and then the clinic offers mentorship, like one-on-one -on -one mentorship with the clinician there. Um, that's also another, another way, but for, for clinicians, I would recommend choose a clinic for new grad or haven't started their, their, their practice in a specific field to find a mentor in that specific clinic to teach you those skills. Right, right. So for those uh, physical therapists uh, in the Philippines who are listening to the podcast, residency is uh, a one-year program, right? Yes, it's a, it's a year program. Where a physical therapist would specialize on a certain area of oh, their yeah. choice, orthopedic, mm -hmm. neurologic, or whatever, yeah. then they would take uh, the, board exam. the board exam, a certification to be a clinical specialist on that specialty. That specialty. Okay. Um, well, thank you very much, Yul, for sharing your thoughts and uh, having me uh, pick your brain on this article of, of Chad Cook on the- Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm glad to be able to express and, and um, you know, think and discuss about the matter. Mm. But before I let you go, I have my last three questions. Um, it's a fill in the blank, no right or wrong answers. It's up to you. So uh, for one is um, success is dot, dot, dot. Success is something that you know that you're content contented with mm -hmm. and that's for me success mm -hmm. right good good um second question is in order for us to elevate our profession physical therapy we should dot 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 you should be an advocate we should be an advocate to the profession we mm -hmm. should be um advocating it not only to our colleagues but also to the public right Great. And my last question, since the podcast is 
uh, a meal, a complete meal of information and insights and stories. Um, what are the three ingredients um, that are essential in your life? It can be your a motto, uh, a virtue, a value, a philosophy that you carry with you in your practice in your life. So what are the three ingredients that make up Yul Hontilia? One is uh, be persistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, advanced learning and uh, just be patient. Mm-hmm. Learning and patient. Persistence, advanced learning, and patience. Yes. Good. All right. Again, thank you very much for your time. And I know Payop uh, is uh, is going to have their another yeah, we have We have summit, our right? fifth, uh, fifth international conference. I'm very happy about Payop's uh, progression in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, as you know, uh, it is the uh, in, uh, Association for Orthopedic Mental Physical Therapy. And we are actually in the process of being a member organization with the International Federation. Right. And yeah. Yul is going to be one of the speakers, right? You're going to be there? Yes, I'll be there. All right. So watch out for that, guys. So again, Yul, thank you very much for being in the show. Thank you, Johan. Thank you for listening to PT Meal Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, please follow the podcast's social media accounts in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Share the episodes you're listening to or episodes you love to listen to so that the message can reach more people. Also, if you have anything to share with everyone about the profession or your practice, do contact me and we can work something out. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, questions about the show or the guests uh, of the show, you can reach me through all the podcast social media accounts or through the website www.ptmealpodcast.com or through email at ptmealpodcast at gmail.com. Right, looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Just a reminder, folks, the podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The show strives to keep all information true and correct, but humans sometimes make mistakes. Factual errors may be present, so we encourage the listeners to do their own research on the featured topics as well. Now, let's go back to the show.